0: Chapter twenty eight of Mothering on Perilous by Lucy Furman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter twenty eight Keeps Tuesday. Going to the village on an errand after breakfast, when I reached the deep mud holes where we always have to walk the fence some distance, I was delighted to see a gang of men at work on the road and to recognize in them Blant and the other prisoners. They were picking the shale from the mountainside and shoveling it into the bottomless holes, and all, save Blant, were hilariously happy to be out in the spring sunshine and fresh air, and talked gaily with me and other passers-by, the keeper who leaned on his rifle, entering amably into the conversation. He says that every spring the prisoners are brought out to work on the roads, that it does them good, and the county too. I had not seen Blant for quite a while, It seemed to me that the sadness and sternness of his face were a little relaxed, and I rejoiced to know that time was doing something toward making his sorrow for rich less poignant. I hope that the news I had Saturday about the babe, that it is nothing but a feather and must soon blow away, has not reached him. WEDNESDAY NIGHT For two days the boys, especially Nucky, have made every excuse to run down the road and exchange words with the road gang, who continue to work toward us. These frequent glimpses of Blant seem to maintain Nucky's spirit at the same high-pitch manifested Sunday, while I am in the lowest depths over losing him in three more days, and while it seems to me his grief over Blant's trial and probable departure for Frankfurt next week... And the almost certain loss of the babe should hang more heavily than ever upon him. He is out shouting at marbles or chasing the other boys about. Indeed, I never saw him in such spirits. Thursday night, Nucky brought in word today that the mud holes are nearly filled, and the prisoners are preparing tomorrow to blast out rock and widen the road at the narrow place where our school grounds begin. WHAT WAS MY PAINED ASTONISHMENT, WHEN, IN THE AFTERNOON, THE HEAD SENT FOR ME, AND SAID, WE HAVE JUST HEARD DOWN IN THE VILLAGE THAT THIS SCHOOL IS A NOTORIOUS GAMBLING PLACE, THAT THE BOYS DO NOTHING BUT PLAY KEEPS, AND THAT SOME OF YOURS ARE THE RINGLEADERS. AFTER SUPPER, I CALLED THE TWELVE AROUND THE SITTING TABLE, AND LAID THE MATTER BEFORE THEM. TO THINK, I SAID, THAT YOU COULD DECEIVE ME IN THIS WAY and play this game for more than six weeks when you have been told over and over that all gambling is forbidden here. Now are all you guilty, or is there by chance one who has had the self-respect and moral courage not to play?" All heads hung limp except Geordie's. Both his head and his hand went up. "'I never,' he said. "'I ain't touched my hand to a game of keeps this whole school.' "'Thank heaven,' I said, surprised but grateful. But Talby was slowly rising in his chair, eyes glued on Geordie, finger pointing. "'If you never played no keeps, where'd you get all them marvels you been a-selling us right along?' he demanded. "'I made em replied Geordie. "'I know you made em at first, in that mill we broke up for you under the stable-lot fence.' But you sold all them out the first week. I seed you sell the last. Where'd you get to others you've been sellin' since? I bought four sets off of you and Philip six and Killis and Keats about nine apiece, and Jason, I reckon a dozen, and all the rest of the boys in the day schools has been runnin' to you a month, and sweatin' to get money to pay you for marvels. Where'd they come from? Did you ever see me play Airy Keep this school? inquired Geordie, Don't know as I did, but I seed you hangin' round all the time. Geordie turned to Philip. Didn't you see me get beat every time I played last summer? he inquired. Yes, I did, replied Philip. Well, I hain't played no more keep sense. I know I can't play, and I hain't fool enough to throw away good marbles. Convinced but not satisfied, Toby frowned darkly. "'Well, Dad, burn your looks. "'Where'd you get all them marvels you been selling this spring?' he demanded. "'They never growed on trees.' The finger was no longer pointing. It was doubled up in a fist under Geordie's nose. At last came the hesitating, reluctant answer. "'Me and Liege Munn and Harald Drake and Benoni Summers went partners. "'You put up the marvels and them the fingers?' Yes, and they the best players in school, and all is cleaned out to other boys, and I'm right smart of a good trader, and get a better price than they could, so they puts in all their time o' winning, and turns all the marvels over to me to sell, and then I get the halves on every marvel. And then you set up and tell her you hain't played nary keep this school? I hain't never played none, reaffirmed Geordie in conscious innocence. I NEVER TOUCH MY HAND, nary KEEP THIS WHOLE SCHOOL. THE WHITES OF TOBBY'S EYES WERE NOW RED. HE GROUND HIS TEETH. DAD, SWING YOUR OLD GRAVE ROBBERS, SOUL. I AIM TO KILL YOU DEAD, HE SHOUTED, LEAPING ACROSS THE TABLE, AND FOLLOWED BY EVERY BOY BUT ABSALOM IN THE DIRECTION OF THE UNFORTUNATE Geordie. IT WAS TEN MINUTES BEFORE I, WITH THE ASSISTANCE OF ABSALOM AND A BROOMSTICK, rescued a torn and bleeding victim from the howling threshing mass under which he was buried and sent for the trained nurse i have sat here tonight, wondering at the light my acquaintance with geordie has shed upon the vexed questions of accumulation of capital formation of trusts cornering of markets dealings in futures and last but not least the perfect compatibility of sharp practice and law-breaking with sincere piety and philanthropy. But, alas, these are only surface thoughts. Deep in my heart is the sharp knowledge that to-morrow I must lose Nucky, and that he cares very little that he must go and leave me. End of chapter twenty-eight